Eric, before we start, I'd like you to explain to me exactly why CO2 causes an everheating planet. Yep. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so what you might hear, I'm sure you've heard of it, is that it essentially makes a blanket over the planet where heat it tries to get through the atmosphere into space, but it, it doesn't get through the, the CO2 blanket. It just bounces back down and... You know, it, that ends up heating up the earth a little more. Is that, does that sound familiar I, to you? I wanted to think of it as like radio waves, but I know that's not right. But that kind of fits what you're saying. You're close, actually. Yeah, you, you are close. You're on the right track there. So that whole blanket way is in some ways correct. But here I want to tell you the exact physics behind what that is. Okay. This is going to be different from most episodes because I'm going to go into more detail than I usually do. Like most of the time I'm just like, eh, it's, you know, something or other. And it happens. But here I'm going to try to go into more detail without any math. No math. Sounds good. I'm, I'm all in. To start off, I want to say that we need greenhouse gases or our world would just be too cold to exist. The average global temperature is about 14 Celsius or 57 Fahrenheit. And without any greenhouse gases, it would be as low as minus 18 Celsius or zero Fahrenheit. That sounds like Mars. It, yeah, it does. Actually, I think Mars is colder. Well, it's further away from the sun. Doesn't have as much of an atmosphere, so not as much of a greenhouse effect. And I think Venus has too much. Hey, you know, if Venus just shared, everyone would be happy. It <laughs> So things like CO2 are important for our lives. It's just the problem is having too much. Too much of a good thing's a bad thing. Every greenhouse gas in moderation. So can you name any other greenhouse gases other than CO2 and methane? Is ozone? That's right. Ozone is one. The, there's others like nitrous oxide, which is very similar to CO2. But one that people may not have considered is water in the form of water vapor is, in fact, a greenhouse gas. Oh, I didn't know that. And I'll, I'll get into the, the reasons of it why later on. But of course, we don't hear people complaining about how the clouds are making the earth too hot or something. Okay, okay. I, I suppose this isn't me saying, yell at your local cloud to be like, stop making the world hot. No, it's interesting because during the day when there's no cloud cover, it heats up more. But at night when there is cloud cover, they trap the heat in. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, a neat, that's a neat observation. So people don't complain about clouds. is partly because the amount of water vapor in the atmosphere isn't directly affected by human activities. So if the world is getting hotter, the root cause is not because there are more clouds around. That reminds me of the old man yells at cloud meme. Old man yells at wrong cloud, sends sternly worded letter to local data center. So uh, w one of the reasons people don't complain is because water vapor actually doesn't last very long in the atmosphere. Uh, one molecule of water in the atmosphere in vapor form lasts about nine days compared to the years or centuries of CO2 and methane. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah, it's, it's a real problem when CO2 gets up there because it'll stay for a long time. So... Just don't do it. Just don't do it, and it'll be fine. Hey, I kind of like it up here. Uh, think I'll stay. Make a timeshare. I'm going to change my mailing address. So even though water is a greenhouse gas, it's not the problematic one of the bunch. I just wanted to make that clear. We've identified the problem, but then we ask the question of why are they the problem? Why is CO2 and methane the problem? 
it sounds like their longevity. It, that is that is one big factor. Is it also the the amount of heat that they trap relative to water vapor? Yes, and I will get into that with a picture later on. <laughs> um, oh boy, supplemental material. But but to answer this question, we need to know exactly what is heat. You were right in initially stating that it was radio waves or something similar to radio waves. So say you have one of those thermal imaging cameras, like uh, like a FLIR or something. Have you used one before? Yes, those are really cool. I did it at the Polar Ice Cap exhibit at the Detroit Zoo, and it was really fun taking my coat on and off and seeing how much that insulation kept the heat in relative to my, my chest, hands, and face. That stuff's really cool. What do you think the camera does to be able to see heat? It has to take a look at how much radioactive energy in terms of like heat is is coming off of whatever surface is in front of it like the more active it is the more heat there is okay what if you were to try to relate it to a regular camera that we have what does the regular camera identify in some object to be able to see it light bouncing off of an object into the focal lens yeah that's right and that's pretty much how uh, thermal cameras work uh, you, were, you were really close uh, in um, your explanation. Oh, good. What it does is, while cameras see visible light, so the higher energy, or the, the medium energy version of light... The, the same, same range that we see with our eyes. Yeah. Thermal imaging cameras see in the infrared and microwave spectrum, so lower energy light. Okay, what happens if you point the thermal camera at a microwave while it's turned on? You know what? I have no idea. I actually don't know if the microwaves can leave the microwave itself. <laughs> maybe there's some holes, so maybe it will light up. That okay. And anyway, I think that'd be cool. Not not for the person using the microwave, but like to see it. So anyway, imagine some object that has some heat associated with it. It will release infrared and microwave radiation just sitting there. The hotter it is, the more ener energetic the radiation and that's what everything emits simply by existing. That makes sense. This makes even more sense when thinking that, hey, the sun is really hot. It, it, it is. <laughs> it's so much hotter that it emits light in the visible spectrum more than it does in the infrared, while we, colder, emit more in the infrared. Okay. So, hey, if, if anyone tells you you're a Debbie Downer, just be like, I'm a beacon of light. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you can see it or not. So basically everything emits this thermal radiation, unless it's at absolute zero. So any, everything on Earth emits this thermal radiation. And where will it go? Well, it'll go everywhere, in all directions. Anywhere that you can see, the radiation that comes off of you will eventually hit that thing. And if you're outside, half of that stuff, the radiation that you're emitting, is pointed towards outer space. Okay. But before it gets out of the Earth's system, it needs to get through the atmosphere. So if it makes its way all the way through the atmosphere, it, it's gone forever. I'm imagining like a straight line from the top of my head, like the heat that's leaving my body because I'm not wearing a hat. There's nothing to trap it in mm -hmm. going straight up, straight up in the situation that there's nothing to stop it. It goes through the atmosphere, out into space continually, but very dimly. Yeah, continually. And it'll always just be going in a straight line. Wow. So you could say that if someone had a really good camera, they could see the top of your head. 
Yes, and that is actually really interesting. I see what you're getting at, and I think that is, like, mind-blowingly interesting. So some of it makes it through, and it's gone forever. But others get absorbed, other bits of this radiation from you gets absorbed by the molecules in the atmosphere. Think of it like some heat is being transferred to the, from the ground to the atmosphere. Right. So it gets trapped there. It, it doesn't reflect back down. It gets trapped by these other particles. Well, you're, you're getting a little head, uh, ahead of me. Okay. Just think of it right now that just by existing, just by having a temperature above absolute zero. Check. You release radiation and it just goes to the atmosphere. Okay. Now these gases in the atmosphere have absorbed some heat, as you, like you said, and they start vibrating in a very specific way. And I'll show you a video of it. The best kind of material. Supplemental. And you can find this on our Twitter, at MoreAbstract. But Eric, I'll give you some time to watch this. Oh. This is the molecule in the atmosphere vibrating because of this heat that it absorbed. It is wiggling in a very specific manner. It's shimmying back and forth. The ends are flexing, and then it's wiggling like an earthworm. Reminds me of like uh, a snake doing like a serpentine motion. So this is a simulation of a CO2 molecule when it has a bit of energy associated with it. So if you look at the video on the top left, it says some number, mm -hmm. and that's associated with how much energy it took to absorb this. So the CO2 absorbs this amount of energy. It starts wiggling in this very specific manner. Oh, I see the different amounts of energy it's absorbed cause it to, to vibrate in a different manner. The higher the amount, the more parts it looks like are moving. Yeah, there there are a few ways that it can move. And that's one of the reasons why, one of the other reasons why CO2 is such a problem. There are several ways for it to absorb energy. So it can absorb more than a regular atom, a molecule of, say, oxygen gas. Mm -hmm. Essentially, what I'm saying is, uh, if you have an atmosphere filled with some stuff, if it has more CO2, because CO2 can wiggle in much more ways than other molecules, more heat will be absorbed by this atmosphere and not sent out into the rest of space to be gone forever. Because this thing looks like it's dancing. It won't stay vibrating forever. After some time, the CO2 will, will release the same amount of heat it absorbed. And where will it go? Well, it'll go everywhere, in all directions. Anywhere you can see that radiation will get to it. Right, because I'm emitting heat radiation everywhere. My heat radiation has gone into this molecule. That molecule is going to release it in all of the same lines that I did from its perspective. You got it. And half of the time, it'll be going right back at Earth. So a bit of heat that's radiated away from an object on the ground has a 50% chance of coming back to the Earth if it encounters a CO2 molecule. But if it were to encounter something else, like nitrogen or oxygen gas, it might not be sent back at all. Is that because it's not as efficient at trapping it? Yeah. If it's not the very specific energy that you can see right there, like on the top left, yes. that's a very specific energy. If it's not that, it won't be absorbed. Okay. So because CO2 absorbs a lot, it oh. can reflect a lot as well. Okay, so there is a specific energy value for nitrogen or the water vapor in the air where they'll do something similar, but there's very few of them compared to CO2. 
Yeah, there are fewer compared to CO2. That's why it's a problem. Okay. That is the fundamentals of why the average global temperatures are rising. Because we have increased greenhouse gases, of which CO2 is a large contributor that stays around for a long time, it absorbs more heat that it is that it's radiated out from the surface of the earth compared to other molecules giving it the classification of a greenhouse gas. Half of this heat will come back to us and given enough time and higher concentrations of CO2 and methane, you'll see a significantly higher global temperature. Right, because it's sending 50% back and we're sending more and more into it as the amount of infrared radiation we're sending increases, 50% of everything we're sending comes back. Not we're sending, it's that more of this stuff is out there that reflects it, that's the oh, problem. Okay, I see. Right, I'm not magically getting warmer, mm -hmm. but we're adding more of it, so there's more places to trap it and send it back. Yeah. Okay, here I am thinking I'm magically getting warmer by the minute. So this whole thing that I'm telling you, it's all physics. It's pretty easy to understand, in fact. Like, I'm, I'm sure you get the main idea better than most people who think of climate change at this point. And it's not that hard. It's pretty logical. It's easier to look at a trend than to look at why the trend exists, in my opinion. I can look at, oh, between the year 2000 and the year 2010, we've risen however many degrees on average but you never think of why, why would that happen right. other than it's already happening i know it's because we're releasing co2 but that still doesn't answer why the co2 is making it happen yeah it's just a bunch of wiggling and co2 wiggles a lot so that's all i have for you i didn't want to put too much in here just because i thought that was enough to tell people the fundamentals of it uh what'd you think that's a good chunk like I was saying a second ago, I, I understood that increasing CO2 levels increase global average temperatures. I never like understood how it did that. Mm -hmm. I knew that it did. I didn't know on what level it interacted with anything to increase the temperatures. Well, now you do. It's interesting to pause and take a look at how that's actually functioning. Something that I'd like people to do more and... The reason for all this. <laughs> well, if you like this episode, please consider subscribing or following. We have some supplemental content on Twitter, so be sure to follow us at More Abstract, and you can find more episodes wherever you get podcasts.